and gentlemen, welcome back as always to another episode of The Sober Grind. Sober Grind. My name as always is Austin and I am joined by... Pej. It is a pleasure as always to be here with you all. Today we have a very deep and timely topic to discuss with you. It is the opioid epidemic. We're going to be discussing what exactly that is, how it came about, where it came from, how it, how opiates and opioids are obtained, and a whole lot of other information. So if you have any questions, comments, thoughts, experience, or if you just want to say hello, leave a comment in the section below, and we will do our very best to address those comments to the best of our ability. Devorier Safas White. I go by day. My sobriety date is July 6, 2008. I've been blessed with nine and a half years coming up on 10. The Big Ten. That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that and congratulations. Thank you, man. You know, yeah. I'm just a messenger. I'm just a messenger. Mm. God is all or nothing. <laughs> Absolutely. So when did you first realize or when was the last point that you realized that you needed to make a big change in your life? Uh, I realized that eight different treatment centers later and dying seven times later, July 6, 2008, when I woke up at Hogue Hospital, and I knew all the ambulance guys' names by heart out of a seizure, an overdose of a seizure. And I said, hey, what's going on, guys? And they looked at me, and they said, day. They said, man, one of these times, you're not going to wake up and see us. Wow, yeah. And something, something hit me that day, and, you know, I just said, something has, has got to change. I said, I, I'm so... I felt so pathetic and so worthless that I was just like, I can't even die right. Mm. You know, I can't even do that right. Mm-hmm. And so then that's when I made the decision. It says if we want what we have, I made the decision that I wanted something different. You know, and that was my sobriety date. I wrote it in my big book. It says, last one, I'm done, July 6, 2008. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's really powerful. Yeah. You know, it it took it took what it took. You know, um, yeah. You know, it just said uh, I I didn't understand that. You know, I could help people, and I, I just wasn't in a position to even really help myself. I needed something more than human aid to to walk me through it, and it has ever since on a daily basis. So. Mm. Absolutely. So, what? advice or words of encouragement would you offer to anyone listening to this right now that maybe they are struggling with an addiction themselves or they're a parent or they have a loved one that's struggling with an addiction? You know, what I've expressed to you before is that when we get sober, that's one thing. Recovery is another. So, Mm. You know, it's people are going to, when they're done, they're done. I see yeah. people, I work in treatment. I see clients come in all the time, mm-hmm. you know, and they're just not done. You know, they go yeah. out and they go out and, you know, and um, 
and uh you know my suggestions i don't ever tell anybody what you need to do in your life mm-hmm. uh, i'm not in a position to i can make suggestions based only on my experience and with my experience you know it always ends up with jails institutions and death mm-hmm. you know and it yeah. just you know if you if i just i i just looked up prayer is huge you know, in, in our program, they say that it, it will be kind of tedious or difficult if you don't identify with some sort of higher power or what I choose to call today God. Yeah. Because we come in with more issues in a box of tissues. We're carrying all this weight of our lives, the mom, the dad, the sister, the brother, the job, the jail, you know, and, and we find that we need something to turn that over to. Mm-hmm. And some people have a problem with this God thing and you know, a friend of mine that you know I'm breaking his anonymity, Pesh, we were sharing in one one night and we were like, what do you mean you have a problem with God? Well, I don't believe in God. Well, you believed in turning over your money to a drug dealer, not being aware what he was going to bring back or if he was going to come back, and you can't take a chance and believe on something that's that's greater than yourself? So that was a good one. Um you know, all I can say is that it, it, it works, man. You mm-hmm. know, if you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, you know, and you just feel like you're worthless and you feel alone, you know, there's a solution and there's hope, you know, and, and we that's what we are here for. That's what I signed up to do. So it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. That's why I say every every day is a gift. That's why they call it the present. Mm-hmm. Every day is a gift. Does that, yeah, does that help? It helped me. Yeah. <laughs> it helped me. It, it sure know? did. Yeah, and that's amazing, Dai. Thank you. Uh, of course. That, that's, that's what I got. Are, is there anything else that you'd like to touch upon or you feel would be important to bring up? Uh, yes. You know, if, if someone's feeling like, well, no one understands me, well, I'm different. This isn't going to work for me. I said the same thing. You know, uh, tragedy, you know, there's, we go through a lot of issues through life, post-traumatic stress. You know, my mother overdosed and died on Christmas Day when I was 10. Um, and so I never dealt with that. Wow. You know, when I came to Alcoholics Anonymous, they told me that the 12 steps could help me with that, and I didn't believe it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I talked to some people that, you know, were, were my mentors today. And uh, I trusted, you know, I trusted people that had better lives, that were respectable citizens of society, that had integrity and honor and were revered wherever they go. And I wanted that. And so today I attempt to be a beacon of inspiration. Love it. That's great, my friend. Thank you so much for taking this time to talk with me and sharing your journey and and your message of hope with, with all of our listeners. Of course, my dude. Yeah. We do. So let's jump right in. Pej, do you want to kind of give, I don't know, where do you want to begin? The opioid epidemic. I mean, there's a reason that I I wanted to talk about this this week is, um, you know, it's not, it's not a secret that in our country right now, there's a major, major epidemic going on with, with opioids. And I kind of just, you know, from my own experience, just in the last week alone, I, I've seen some things um, happen, go down, and um, and it saddens me. 
Mm. And I have a deep, deep passion in trying to um, help try to work towards not only raising awareness, but battling this whole, yeah. um, this the whole opioid epidemic and what's going on. You know, obviously, it, it's always going to be there. You know, it's never there's there will never be a shortage of um, people using opioids, and opioids comes in so many different forms and fashions. Obviously, it's been around, you know, for thousands of years, right? Ever since the poppy plant right. uh, was first discovered, and and um, there's been people. There's been we've had heroin addicts for many many years. You know, obviously people have been doing heroin as far as I know from the early uh, 1900s, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's expanded, and it's not only because the population is more, but um, it's it started because uh, I remember in the 90s there was um, a lot of um, medical types of people were. Mm-hmm for pain purposes were prescribing a lot of oxycotton yeah and uh percocets and per you know different types of uh painkillers that a lot of people were were prescribed but a lot of people were abusing sure and there was a lot of um doctors during that time and especially in the late 90s I remember that um there was this this one brand called oxycotton which was an 80 milligram mm-hmm. um oxy that a lot of people were using and abusing and it was solely being used, supposed to be used for a uh, painkiller, but a lot of heroin addicts were getting um, their hands on these pills and they were actually able to extract um, the op- opioids from it and, wow. and shoot it. So wow. um, the companies changed those and after a while another form came out, they called them Roxy's and it was just, uh, mm-hmm. it wasn't, uh, you weren't able to, you weren't supposed to be able to actually um, shoot those, but Addicts are creative. Where there's a will, there's a way. They'll figure it out and they're able to. But regardless of the fact, you know, um, I've seen different types of people become addicted to uh, to opioids. And mm-hmm. um, obviously there are people who they will get on pills and they will develop a dependency upon pills for pain. And um, it could be from back pain. It can be from an accident, from an injury. But what happens is these things captivate you. You know, these, these types of pills, they're out there. Um you know, there a lot of people will get them. They'll sometimes they'll really, really, really be expen- ex- experiencing more pain than you know usual. So um, they they know that when they take these pills, it helps them feel a lot better. It, mm-hmm. it alleviates the pain. And um, so some people start to abuse the pills, and that is why they are controlled, and that is why the doctor will prescribe them, and they're supposed to be taken as prescribed. Now, um, a lot of times, some people take them for a short amount of time for pain, and then they store them in their medicine cabinets. Mm-hmm. And when they're stored in their medicine cabinets, you know, grandma may have put her Oxycontin in there and she's got a full bottle, and some curious child comes along and will um, somehow, you know, be, they, they'll know. You know, a lot of kids are knowledgeable these days. They know. Well, uh, not only that, I've heard countless stories of people going to open houses and raiding the uh, the cabinets in the bathroom for these exact drugs. Absolutely. I mean, it's to the point where I've even heard, you know, we've, there's been reports of, of addicts, full-on addicts going and robbing pharmacies because wow. because they, they mm. know that that's pretty Believe much, it. it's like the, yeah. there's a plethora of different types of pain meds yeah. available there. So, And that's how far they'll go because that's how bad they want them. So l- let me ask you this. How has it become an epidemic? It, it's been labeled a national epidemic mm. in recent history. 
opioids have been around for thousands of years. Right. What changed recently? How has it become and why has it become a national crisis? Well, you know, when one in eight people are dying of the, well, they say that about 114 to 115 people are dying of an opioid overdose or overdosing per day that's in our country. So uh, that's a lot of people, you yeah. know. I mean, in our community, of re yeah. in our recovery community, we know a lot of people that, that are trying attempting to get recovery, and often we will hear people overdosing and dying, more often than, than usual. Yeah. Right? It's happening all the time. If you ask anybody that's in recovery um, or the, the recovery community, they know, you know a handful, you know, if not uh, a large amount of, of people. There's countless people truly that are overdosing and dying. So it's no joke. That's why I have such a deep passion in trying to help people, not just raise awareness and, and trying to prevent people from falling into the traps and, and be, you know, there's, you get captivated. That stuff mm -hmm. is captivating, right? Mm -hmm. um, it, it, and often, it, I've seen this a lot of times, that somebody will um, have some kind of back pain or, you know, back surgery, for example, and the guy was never really a drug addict, you know what I mean? Sure. But, um, and this happens more often than not, um, he, will, he will be prescribed pain medication, he will use the pain medication um, as as prescribed at first, but over a period of time, he'll start cheating and taking a little bit more and a little bit more to the point okay. where he needs a little bit more. And then he tries to go back to his doctor and get his prescription refilled. And if, you know, he took it in too fast of a time, he won't get it refilled. So then they find the phony doctor or they right. find some street doctor and that person will um, then get more. And before you know it, they, they totally need it. They constantly use it. And, and then when they can't get their hands on the pills anymore, they resort to using heroin. Yeah. And now, uh, sorry to backtrack a little bit, but yeah. uh, so I, I've heard cases of uh, doctors over pre over prescribing uh, opioids as, as pain medication. Is, is there any truth to that? Absolutely. There's a lot of criminal you know doctors out there that, mm. and like I said in the '90s, I'm going to say this. Is it know, a money thing? You know, they say that they're not supposed to get kickbacks from mm. big pharma or the pharmacy sure. companies, but I believe that when they're selling. Um, and I'm not saying doctors are bad people. I just know that in the 90s from my own personal, I'll be transparent, from my own personal experience, I was more of an upper guy. Okay. So I liked doing stimulants, right? Mm -hmm. I got into, I tried heroin. I did heroin for a while. I did some opium and things like that. But but um, in order to, for me to nurture my addiction back in the day, we figured out where the doctors were, the ones mm -hmm. that would prescribe you that stuff. And you'd go to their office and you didn't have to say much. You just tell them, I've got glaucoma, I've got back pain, I've got things like this, that, the other. And sometimes they wouldn't even do a full diagnosis. They would just prescribe you the pills. Wow. So then I would get those pills and come back and sell them to my heroin using friends because they would give me money and then I could go and um, get high on my own, you know, for my drug of choice. But gotcha. So there was a lot of doctors I know that um, there was a lot of crackdowns um, mm -hmm. in the last probably early 2000s. And um, I'm not saying that doctors don't still prescribe them where they shouldn't be prescribing them. I think that doctors over-prescribe pain medication. Mm. And they don't really look for alternatives to um, people overcoming um, their newfound addiction to opioids. Mm. Yeah. Gotcha. Let's take this time to answer a couple questions. I saw a couple comments in right now. I want to take this time to open it up to everyone, no matter where you're watching this. Leave a comment. Uh, leave a question, say hello, let us know where you're watching from uh, so we can address this. 
And it would be a huge help to us if you could share this post right now or tag a friend, someone that you feel this could help because uh, we're just trying to spread a message of hope and reach as many people as possible. Uh, Nima says, great topic. Thank you for that. Thanks, uh, Vanessa says, that's for sure. I hope this is helpful for you all. Darren said, CBD. A couple times, do you wanna? Okay. Uh, Fareed hi, says, Fareed. hi. Fareed's a good friend. Luke says, what's up? What's up, Luke? Hi, Luke. Thank you for chiming in. Thank you guys so much for this. I love all the info you provide. Thank you for tuning in, Natalia. It is awesome to have you here. Fentanyl. Yeah. Yeah, and fentanyl. So, you know, I'm happy that you bring up fentanyl because um, it's that's like you know the highest form, one of the highest forms of, of opioids, and it's a killer. I mean, obviously, we we know what's happened in more recent times with Prince, mm -hmm. um, and uh, you know he's, that was a famous artist that passed away as a result of an accidental overdose yeah. with fentanyl. And um, there's a lot of debate about that. Mm. A lot of the fans, I don't really talk about it too much sure. amongst the fans because it's yeah. such a sensitive subject. A lot mm. of people ask me, they well, they know like uh, my background is in working with addiction and they're like, what's your take on this? And um, I have a lot of opinions about it. You know, I mean, I, um, I don't think that it didn't happen. Um, I do know that mm, it's unfortunate, but... There's a lot of uh, opioids that are readily available due to the way um, social media works these days. You can mm. find this stuff um, mm -hmm. through the black market and it can yeah. be delivered to you. You know, yeah, fentanyl being one of them and mm -hmm. people are buying it and using it, you know, and some people are shooting it. And then there's a lot of people that are dying from it. And um, and there's a friend of mine, she was on the show not that long ago, Rhonda Razel. Um, her son died from a fentanyl overdose. And um, it's just happening more and more. It's, it's very sad. Yeah. Very sad what's going on. And um, sadder than that is the fact that I have a lot of friends on a national level that reach out to me that um, have gotten caught up in this world of addiction that, in relation to opioids. And, um, you know, they come out here and they try to get help. And um, sometimes they don't want to get that help and they end up... Um, resorting to the streets and on those I was on the streets the other night and if you saw what I saw it is ugly yeah I'm so saddened at what's happened to my city my I love Costa Mesa mm -hmm. I grew up in Costa Mesa I have watched um, some parts of that city just deteriorate and the people that um, are on the street it looks like Skid Row all over mm -hmm. again and it's that bad and, and I'm saddened by the fact that um, kids these days can get addicted to pills. The reality of this thing is, is that if we're not really um, careful, a lot of these kids these days are catching wind of, of opioids and, yeah. and the fact that they come in a pill form and the fact that it's an easy way to get high, right? To, yeah. to basically um, get sauced and, and then you take it and you get loaded and you, you can't get enough of it. So what do you do? You go after heroin. And now kids, you know, back in the day, we used to go to the hood to pick up some weed on the streets. Or some cocaine. Now these days, it's like heroin is totally available. Black tar heroin. It's, it's you know, everywhere. That's out here in California. Yeah, where where I'm from in New Jersey as New well. Yeah. Uh, I, I, China white. I grew up. Yeah, I grew up in a very uh, affluent, pretty um, wealthy mm -hmm. area, a, a nice beach town. Yeah. And it, it's just it's terrible. How many people I know? How many friends have overdosed on uh, both pill form and heroin? Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's just horrible. 
Uh, Kimberly Hewitt asks, what about doctors who prescribe Suboxone maintenance for uh, for Rhodes clients who keep relapsing till they're 40? I personally, thank you for that question, Kimberly. I mean, we talked about this a few weeks ago on here. Uh, when it comes to Suboxone, I think there should be only one intention for it. Mm -hmm. And it's not to maintain somebody so that they continue to be on Suboxone and, and be able to withstand the pain that they're going to have to endure eventually mm -hmm. and through withdrawals. I think that Suboxone maintenance should solely be used um, for only three to seven days. Mm -hmm. You know, as for yeah. the, 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 you shouldn't keep somebody on Suboxone. There's a lot of doctors that like to keep people on Suboxone for long periods of time. And I... This is my own personal opinion and some of the people that I surround myself with. Um, I don't think people can get true recovery um, if they're maintaining on Suboxone. Suboxone is not sober in my mm -hmm. eyes. Um, it, Suboxone blocks the brain receptors, you know, to the point where people cannot actually work on themselves um, and, and their sobriety and have that spiritual awakening. You know, they're still kind of high. Like, yeah. uh, Suboxone is basically the modern day methadone. Okay. And um, it's not supposed to get you high, mm -hmm. but there's people that even have figured out how to do that. Gotcha. And methadone was more what they used to use in the 70s and 80s. Mm. And, um, that within itself is highly addictive. And, yeah. Um, yeah I, I personally that. was in treatment with five guys that were all addicted to methadone in mm -hmm. high, high milligrams and dosages. I mean, like, unusually high, dramatically mm -hmm. high. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. That's also a, a good segue. Uh, this is, I believe, episode 19 or, or 20 of this, this podcast and live stream. Uh, we've covered a lot of different valuable topics, a lot of drugs, the history of drugs, everything that you can, you can think of. Uh, we've probably touched it, or if not, we will in the future. Mm -hmm. So uh, make sure you click uh, the links in the description of this video. Uh, we would love for you to subscribe. Uh, we have it linked to uh, iTunes and Google, and uh, it, we're hopefully soon going to be on, on Spotify and a couple other platforms as well. Uh, but would, we would love uh, to help uh, for you to help us grow by uh, clicking those links, subscribing, sharing it with a friend, and leaving a review if you can. Uh, keep leaving comments in these uh, sections so we can keep addressing them. And let's just continue on here. So I see Pesh, that what? Kimberly says I was debating okay. with the sponsee, and she says, thank you, I totally agree. I'm happy we're mm. on the same page. I know that um, like-minded people that are in recovery, truly doing recovery, understand, you know, there's a need for Suboxone, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, I believe that it's better and more effective than methadone um, mm. because it doesn't, you're not supposed to get addicted to it. I think what, what I've seen, my experience with um, working in treatment is, there's usually two different types or a few different types of people that come in that are addicted to opiates. But when it comes to doing the Suboxone taper, um, a lot there are some types that will be like, I want to be on this as long as I can be. Mm -hmm. And then there's some types that are like, I want to get off of this as fast as I can. Mm -hmm. right? And the sad thing is what really gets me is that you're taking something that's going to help you alleviate the pain and not you're avoiding really going through the excruciating amount of pain that's endured through uh, a major withdrawal with Suboxone. But once the taper is done, the point is to get long-term recovery. And unfortunately, this is very sad, unfortunately, the majority, the majority of people that come through and go through that process end up um, not taking the recovery seriously and end up high on heroin again. And the mm -hmm. problem is the reason that there's a lot of overdoses is, you know, besides the fact that sometimes there's fentanyl in it or, or their bodies can't handle a high amount of dosages, they haven't done it in a while. 
Yeah. You know, so it's like you have no tolerance. At that point, you're clean for a while. All of a sudden, you go out and they do a big shot. And before you know it, you know, their body just can't handle it. And they shut down and they die. And it's very, very, very sad. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so tell me, why is it, is it the withdrawal? Why is it so hard to kick for so many people? If you, if you really want to quit opioids in particular here, why are they so hard to get off of? Well, because opioids, I think that there's only one other drug that's m more powerful and, and plays with your mind more, um, and that would be nicotine. Okay. That's probably the hardest one to kick or quit, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. A lot of people struggle with nicotine. But when it comes mm -hmm. to opioids, I mean, mm, your body de develops a dependency. So it's in your blood, but it's also in your bones. Mm. You know, so yeah, it, it, it's... You know, when you let's say, for example, a meth user or a cocaine user, all they really need, they don't, there's not a major detox that, that comes with that. But when it comes to opioids, it's a process. Mm -hmm. And your body needs to rejuvenate and get back to its regular self. So a lot of people, um, they were doing opioids in the first place. Some people do it for solely for pain, you know, mm -hmm. the ones that, that take the pills. But people that are shooting heroin, uh, most likely, there's some psychological stuff going on there, right? Mm -hmm. And the fact that they've used pretty much the, the one of the kings of the drugs that that are the hardest to kick, um, they sometimes don't want to, not only do they not want to work through their uh, psychological stuff, whatever it may be, but um, it's like it, it mind warps you. It's captivating. Do you know what, do you know what I mean? Once you yeah. are shooting needles or just doing heroin, it becomes a way of life to where... Not only do you want to do it, but you kind of feel like you need to do it. And then it's just so hard to, to get away from it. You know, there's yeah. not a lot of people that, uh, there are people that do, you know, now that the epidemic is really high, there are more and more people that I'm seeing that are heroin addicts that um, get long-term recovery or work towards becoming sober yeah. because they get tired of living that way. You know, me personally, I was yeah. more into methamphetamines and um, at a certain point in my life, I just got so tired and I... I luckily I was surrounded by people who uh, went through the same things I went through and taught me um, how much more important it is to, to have recovery over this life that I've been caught up in because I don't think that any of us um, ever intended to become heroin addicts or, sure. or drug addicts for yeah. that matter. I, I know when I was a kid the idea was that this is bad for you mm. and you want to be ambitious and you want to do something with your life. So It just grabs you. It grabs you. It's, it's captivating. Yeah. I mean, it, it's to the point where there were days in my addiction where um, I would just think, oh my God, like, I so want to quit this. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden I'd find myself with a spoon in my hand or a needle mm. or, or, you know, a smoking device Complete or whatever. Just thinking, and body I'm still doing just, this. Like, how am I ever going to stop? Like, mm -hmm. it's, you know, if you don't have any clue of how to do recovery or you're not open to doing recovery, you're going to get loaded again because that's mm. the next best thing you can do. And a lot of people think that that's going to cause, solve the problem. It actually makes the problem worse. I mean, mm -hmm. that's a no-brainer for us people that are in recovery, but for the person that's never really experienced recovery or people that don't know anything about recovery and don't know anything about addiction, they can't understand, like, why, does, why is Jimmy um, doing heroin? That's like the worst drug ever. And there's a stigma attached to it too. A yeah. lot of people look down on the, you know, they'll call them junkies and they'll call them, you know, full-on addicts. And and how dare they ruin our family with their addiction? And, and people don't realize that there's a difference between the people who they were 
right. as opposed to who they become when they're in their addiction. It's yeah. day and night. The addiction is, is gruesome. The addiction is the killer. The addiction is, is the one to look down on. But the person themselves, you know, there's, they're good people. Mm-hmm. They just got caught up and they got addicted. And so yeah, now you know, it's all about fighting through that and trying to get back to the best version of themselves. Yeah. We had a, a couple good questions here I wanted to dump into, jump into. Uh, can you talk about mixing other substances with opioids and what combinations can be lethal? I mean, there's so there's a lot of, that's a great question. You know, over the years, you'd see, there was different types that you'd see. There's some people that were just straight up downer guys, you know, mm-hmm. downer people. They would just do heroin, right? And then you'd see some people that just did uppers, you know, stimulants, speed, cocaine, things like that. Then you get the guys that were, you know, like, I won't say it here because it's not appropriate. Sure. But um, mm-hmm. they just have no care in the world. Mm. They will mix whatever they can. They will okay. shoot. Um, they And here's, when you mix cocaine and you mix uh, heroin together and you shoot the two of them together, it's called speedballing. Okay. Extremely dangerous. Cause upper and a downer. Upper and a downer. Yeah. So you're basically... Um, slamming your you're basically just hitting the pedal to the metal going a thousand mm. miles an hour mm-hmm. and slamming the brake you know to to the point where it's like four locos on another level you, you, it's it's a total risk you know mm-hmm. you, you could your heart could pound and, and burst out of your chest who knows what could happen it's you know deathly mm-hmm. a lot comes with that too you know you can get diseases and you can mm. you know it, it's it's all bad but people do it because i, I think that they just have they're at the point where it doesn't matter what they put inside themselves, mm. and it's, it's highly lethal. It's, it's it's very dangerous. Then there's um, something that I saw more often with a lot of clients that you know I still see quite often is a lot of these kids are coming in and they they not only do they say that they mixed meth with uh, heroin, which they call a goofball, but hmm. it's called goofballing, right? Okay. But um, but like they're not really sad about doing it. They're like hmm. there's sort of like. They kind of like uh, glorify it in a sense. Like, mm. yeah, I, I used to love doing goofballs. It's like mm. there's nothing elegant about that. There's nothing cute about that. Like, dude, something deep within you is really wrong. And if you don't work through that stuff, yeah. you're going to be a goofball, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, sad and scary. Miguel asks, why did they treat the opioid epidemic differently than the crack epidemic? I Any don't, thoughts on that? You know, I don't know that they really treat it differently i mean from what i understand uh donald trump wanted to uh block off the amount that's coming into this country as opposed to um invest and put funds into the actual treatment for the addiction and really straight like death penalty for dealers right for the dealers i believe there is a death penalty but yeah what's even more interesting is is that um over the years now, you if you do if you are an addict and you get caught with drugs, um, it's less of a sentence if anything. Mm. You can even it used to be it was a full on felony. These days, mm-hmm. like you get a slap on the wrist and you get to leave. But the point is, is that there's still no matter what the person still has the problem, the addiction. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. really, um, we need to help people. Yeah, we need to help people. What's the solution, Pesh? The solution is, I think, besides the fact that we raise awareness. I mean, if you the People need to tune in and people need to know uh, that this is happening and it's going to keep happening and it's going to keep getting worse. And for one, hide your pills. Don't keep them. If you use them for yourself or your family member, use them. 
Get rid of those things, man. Mm-hmm. You don't need to be storing that stuff because it, it could be a disaster in the making. Yeah. Um, also, you know, when these kids these days, don't ever hesitate to, to drug test your kid. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can learn a lot about your kid and what kind of a person he truly is. It's just from a 12-panel drug test. Take Oh, absolutely. My mom used to drug test me all the time. Give him a random <laughs> drug test, you know, so you can uh-huh. see if he's, if he's got yeah. THC in his system. If he's got uh-huh. opioids in his system, you may have a major problem on him. And, and mm. one of the ways to notice that is that if, he's, uh, if he or she is, is dozing off, mm. uh, if they've got cigarette uh, burns in their clothing, if um, they're failing in school, if they're crashing their car, if they're mm. behaving differently, all these mm-hmm. different things are great indicators that your kid may be doing some heavy drugs. And how could that have happened? It could have happened right from within your own home. They may have found uh, your Vicodin, and, and now, without you knowing it, their Vicodin uh, addiction, which was just something that you were using as a prescribed medication, has now become their addiction. And they may actually be going to Chewy up the street in the hood trying to get some actual heroin. It's the hmm. reality of what's going on. It's really, truly going on. Hmm. And it's scary. So what can be done? Yeah. People, if they need help, you, you want to reach out for help, call me. You know, uh, I'll, I'll put you in the right direction. Whether, you know, I try to bring uh, people, put people in tre- treatment all the time. Treatment centers, indigent centers, uh, sober livings. You know, I connect therapists with people once they actually um, are done with treatment or during mm-hmm. the time that they're in treatment. But it's wonderful. the help is out there. And, yeah. it, and it comes in different resources and, and sources. So if you need help. You can always call me. My number is 949-751-7761. You can leave us a message. By the way, mm. uh, we have another page. It's called Ask an Addiction Specialist. It's yes. actually right there. It the, is in the link. The, yes, the, the link, link is, is in, in the there. description of this video. If you ever have questions about addiction, if, you ever, um, if you're addicted or you have a family member that's addicted and you want to ask any questions, we have professionals uh, that will usually uh, respond to your questions in a timely manner that are addiction specialists. We also, we also have people in the community that have experience with addiction and they can always give their input. But we'd love to interact with you. You know, the Sober Grind. Also, if you if you guys listen to this uh, on uh, on different platforms like Google Play or, or iTunes, we would really like for you to uh, subscribe to the Sober Grind podcast and um, ask questions and tell your friends about it and just get it out there. Let's talk about this stuff more. You know, um, people turn a blind eye if they think that this problem isn't in their own household but believe it or not it could be happening in your very neighborhood it could be happening to the person next door or it could be happening in your own house well put yeah couldn't have said it any better myself hopefully this was a helpful episode for you guys today we covered a lot we answered a lot of questions if you have a future question let one of us know and we'll get to it next time. If there's a future topic suggestion that you would like us to cover as well, let us know, let Pej know, let myself know, and we will certainly cover it next time. Until next time, my friends, Sober Grind out. Sober Grind.